0: Rob Harvey is, has become one of my uh, dearest brothers. He is a man's man. He's got a cool haircut too yeah. and uh, just shaved it, right? He's got a, 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 an awesome accent. You can hear him. It just, I could hear him talk. He pronounces all these different words differently than we do, which is really cool. But Rob is one of our missions partners and Mercy UK, you know, we work alongside Mercy a lot. Uh, we weren't able to go this past year because of COVID. In fact, he wasn't even sure he was going to be able to get on a plane to this place until the last second. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, we're just really glad you're here, man. Yeah, me too.
1: It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, so t- tell him what you do for Mercy, Rob, because he's going to play a part in this Keys uh, conference today that we're having in this discussion. But tell him exactly what Mercy is, a lot of them may not know what mm-hmm. Mercy is in the, here in the United States, and then what it, it's different in the UK a little bit, yep. and then how you, what, what you do.
1: Okay. Um, well, good, good morning. It's great to be here. It's like being with family that I've never met before. It's amazing. <laughs> We're going to uh, need subtitles, I think, in a minute. We're going to... Hold on. Um, so, well, Mercy started uh, in Nashville uh, probably 35, 36 years ago. Um, They brought in young women who had life-controlling issues, sexual abuse, drug abuse, etc., etc. And they brought them in free of charge, helped counsel them up through therapy, and then get them back into the real world again and back on track again. Um, The way it happened in the UK was there was an 11-year-old girl in the UK who was growing up in in the middle of the British countryside and one thing led to another and this 11 year old girl ended up having a boyfriend who was 29. Yeah, you do the maths. So um, her world got thrown into complete crazy, complete drugs, complete trafficking, complete everything. And really she was one hit away from death, one shot away from death, one bad choice away. She'd just given up, she was on absolute self-destruct. And her sister said, look here's a book written by the guys at a place called Nashville in America. Read it, see what you think. She read it and she's like, oh my gosh, I have to go to this place. This, this is, this is going to change my life. So she got on a plane at the age of 18 and flew over here, spent six months in the home in Nashville, flew back, came back a different woman, came back free and healed, and, but more importantly had the tools to also do it yourself. It wasn't just, a, thanks very much, you fixed me, my life is now going to be amazing. She was only 18. So she came back and her and a handful of other people started setting up Mercy UK. Uh, that young girl, that 11-year-old girl, is now my wife. Uh, she's called Debbie, we've been married for nearly 19 years. Uh, we've got two kids, uh, and, the, and the lady that gave her the book and said you need to go is someone that you've already met, Ariana Walker. So Arianna is our chief executive of Mercy. Uh, Debbie is our Chief Operating Officer, so all the men will, will feel this deep when I say that when I'm at work, both my wife and my sister-in-law are my bosses. And that's a choice you made. It was a bad choice. Yeah. I mean, I have
0: zero sympathy for you in that.
1: That's why You can work anywhere. Yeah, but I, I just get to travel and do this. That's why I'm here for 12 days. <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, so in the UK, we are obviously a lot smaller. We are, uh, the UK is about one-third the size of Texas, but we have about 40 million more people in it than Texas does. So we, we are small, but we pack a right punch. Uh, where we live, we live in a, in a county called Yorkshire, and I, I've been told we are sort of like the Texas state of the UK. We are our own country in its own right. We have our own flag. We are not English. We're not even really British. We're from Yorkshire. So, uh, and if this was very obvious when it was the, the Olympics were on. And you know how they have the medal tables of US have won all these medals, and then China, then Russia, then Great Britain, then Australia. The, the Yorkshire news had Yorkshire as its own separate com- uh, c- country. And at one stage, we were third in the medal table because the Yorkshire guys had won all these gold medals really early. So it was USA, China, Yorkshire, Australia, Britain. Yes! What did what did the queen say about that? Oh, I have no idea, but we were very happy. Yeah. So, um, so we we run Mercy UK. We have a residential home just like the one that Debbie went to. Uh, it takes in young women aged uh, 18 to 30-ish, plus 35-ish. Um, but really my job is this so my job is out my job is people my job is training we deliver 10 events a month we travel we speak we we empower people we equip people we train people we share the gospel we share the words of of key to freedom and, and and freedom and healing um we speak across the country across europe um obviously now across the pond um so Obviously, it's been a fairly naff two years where none of us have really left our Zoom screens, so it's so good to be back seeing normal people. So that's pretty much what I do. So
0: one of the things that's different about Mercy UK a little bit, that, um, that, that they, Rob works with churches, and one of the things he told us when we went over there, well, there are so many churches that want Keys to Freedom as a study. They don't even know about mercy when it comes to the home mm-hmm. for young girls. They just want, they're like, oh, you do that too? Like, yeah, we do that too. But what happened was this study, Keys to Freedom, began to empower churches and pastors and men. And it, it, it wasn't just about life-controlling issues. In fact, Rob, you've told me, like there's scores of pastors that call you mm-hmm for what it's doing in their church, mm-hmm. it's pretty, tell them about that.
1: Well, I'll backtrack slightly, we're obviously a, a, what we call charity, we're a non-profit, so everything that we do has to have some sort of, want of a better term, we sort of need your help and your money to keep us going, which is fine, but actually what we decided to do was actually, why don't we go and serve the church? Why don't we go and serve people? Why don't we go and do what we feel God is calling us to do, which is bring freedom and healing to people's worlds? Why don't we focus on that and then hope that the finance follows? So we just went into churches and we said, look, what, what is it that you need? What is it that you want? And the UK church is dying. Most churches in the UK have been turned into apartment blocks or really trendy accommodation.
0: Like that's true. When you drive around the UK, you see these massive cathedrals with a for sale sign.
1: Yep. Or the and I'm talking about
0: 300-year-old or... structures with stained glass and all the things you would imagine yep. have become apartments. Mm-hmm. I mean, with histories of, like, kings and queens and stuff, I mean, it's hard to wrap your mind around. They're selling churches, and America's about 20 years behind that. We, we, we are following the UK lock and step. You don't have to believe that. Remember that I said it, January 23rd, 2022. I'm telling you, it's the truth.
1: So all these pastors were sort of saying to us, well, actually, what, what on earth are you doing in Yorkshire that is affecting these young women so much that they're coming back completely changed? We sent you an absolute nutcase, headcase, crazy person, and you sent us back this incredible woman of God. What are you doing, and how do we do it with the rest of the church, guys included? So we set about putting together the UK version of Keys to Freedom. Now, we work in probably 400, 450 churches in the UK, which doesn't sound like a great deal for you guys, but that's monstrous for us, monster amount of people. we have, take, we have sold in four years, we've sold 22,000 copies of Keys to Freedom. Again, think of the size of the UK. It's not massive. We're not a really- It's about the size a, of Michigan. We're not really a Christian nation either. So, um, Because people are hungry for more, they're hungry for more of Jesus, they're hungry for more of what he has to offer, they're hungry for more of God. Um, and we've, I don't know, hit a niche in the market, I yeah, guess. You have.
0: And so, one of the things we want you to understand is um, true keys to freedom came out it was born out of something mercy created but it's bigger than that now and if you continue to think if anybody thinks well that's just for 20 year old girls with eating disorders that would be the equivalent of looking at a truck and saying it's only for people that work in construction It has many uses. So we wanted to get Rob over here and talk about renewing the mind. And specifically, he's going to a pastor's conference with me. This coming uh, in a few, here this next week. Uh, I, for about 15 years, I've hosted a conference for pastors. And uh, this year, we got them coming from Pennsylvania and, and North Carolina and Louisiana. And, and uh, you're our first Englishman. Welshman. Welshman, sorry. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, Welshman. I got to make that <laughs> distinction. So so having said that, uh, let's get into the Word of God, man. Because um, here's the thing. We are called to reorder our mind. And Rob's going to hop in here with me. We're called to reorder our mind. And this week in Keys to Freedom, it's about renewing the mind. And I want to tell you something about renewing the mind. We talk about the mind a lot here at Clearview. If you're a guest today, we talk about the mindset all the time. but But you need to understand that That having a holy mind, having the mind of Christ, has nothing to do with just thinking good thoughts, okay? It's not about being positive. I mean, that's a byproduct of it, right? Uh, It's not about just thinking differently just for the sake of keeping positive thoughts in your mind. We are called to... Look, when you come into Christ, you're called to live beyond what you came out of. And so when, when you live in a different sphere, what God wants from you is when you come out of spiritual disorder as a lost person and you come into the order of Christ, you have to reorder your mind. See, here's what happened to me. When I came to Jesus and when you came to Jesus, when you literally came to Christ, you didn't get a new brain, but you did get a new mind. Right you didn't get a new brain. God didn't replace my brain. Although I would have taken it a New mind. I got a new filter. I got a new way of looking at the world myself people I had power over what I chose to believe and I had options, right? You had options. Because Paul says in First Thessalonians 5, one of my favorite verses, you hear me quote it all the time. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit, your soul, and your body Be preserved complete. What is that? Your body is your body. Your spirit's the eternal part of you. That's the layer that gets saved. Literally, your eternal part of you goes to heaven. Your soul is your mind, your heart, your will, your emotions, your attitude, your appetite. It is the deepest seat of who you are in the earthly realm. So, and notice what that verse says. May the God of peace make, sanctify means set you apart, right? It means to set you apart and preserve you complete. That's not in heaven. That's now. That's now. So today I'm going to talk to you for a minute about how to find spiritual freedom and keep it. Okay? Let's don't just find it. Let's keep it. So if you've got a Bible, go to Philippians 4, and that's where we're going to go, all right? And looking at how do we renew the mind. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, brothers, sisters, family, whatever is true, whatever is honorable... Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. That word dwell is just what you think it might mean. It means to soak. It means to sit. It means to pursue. It means to actively do these things. You see, God wants you to, to know how to practice these things. So it, we all know that we should pursue freedom in the mind, but knowing how to do it is a, is a different thing. And Rob used a word a minute ago. He said, keys to freedom is a tool. Mm-hmm. And you've seen that as mm-hmm. a toolbox. Mm-hmm. And, and what, when you look around the UK churches, like what, how, has it, how has it equipped churches? What has it done?
1: It has brought... I was going to use the word freedom, but I'm not going to. It has brought a new level of understanding of Jesus in people's worlds. I always say that discipleship, certainly what we do is allowing people or teaching people or helping or training people to take one step closer to Jesus. It's not a complicated thing. So if people can take one step Closer to Jesus. If every person in the UK or the US who calls themselves a Christian takes one step closer to Jesus this month, then by the time we get to Easter, our communities are going to look really different. What if we take two steps? What if we take three by the time Christmas comes? Our worlds and communities are going to look a lot different. And that's what Keys does. Keys to Freedom is just a book, it's just words, it's just paper but actually it's what Jesus does through it has helped the churches. And what was, what's been really funny and really interesting to us is that the, the first people in the church to notice that people are growing closer to Jesus are the worship team. Because they see it, they hear it, they feel it. And one of the guys in my own church, the worship pastor in my own church, stepped off, off stage once and he said to one of, one of his colleagues, man, something is different this week. I thought it was different last week, and I just put it down to too much coffee or whatever. But he said, something is different this week. What is going on that I don't know about that is changing our church? Oh, well, we've started some keys to freedom groups. Well, that's it. People have just taken one step closer to Jesus. You're not,
0: you know, in fact, I was going to talk about this a little bit later, but I'll bring it up now. You're not going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit just attending church. You with mm-hmm, me? Mm-hmm. Like just because you come sit in the room, you you got to do something, man. You know, you you've got to step into some things, mm-hmm. and to do you know if if you wanted to build a house, you can sit there on that lot that you bought out in College Grove all you want and go house up here. Everybody would call you crazy. Something's wrong with you. I'm just waiting on my house. to, I'm visualizing it. I'm just hoping. Hope's not a strategy <laughs> when, when it comes to this, right? Hope's not a strategy when it comes to this. You got to do something if you want to find freedom, and that's what it is. It's a tool. So let's get into it. So what does God want from you when it comes to how to find spiritual freedom and keep it? Well, here's, first, here's the first key truth I want you to write down this morning. God wants me to be separated from anything separating me from him, Okay? It's really important that you know that. God wants me to be separated from anything separating me from him. Now there's a word that Paul starts out in Philippians 4:8 that that really kind of stopped me, it made me think of the of the book of James as soon as I read it again. I've read this verse many, many times, just a lot of you have. He said, "Finally, brothers, let me tell you what that word means. I'm not talking about some hidden meaning. I want to tell you what that word implies." He's calling you by a family name. All right? It means that you have a citizenship somewhere else. See, this wasn't a word. This is really closely now. This, what, Philippians wasn't written to the whole world. Philippians was written to who? Christians. Philippians was written to Jesus followers. So in, in Philippians 3.20, just a few verses before that, look at what Paul says. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not talking about our citizenship later. He's talking about where you live now. See, the great thing about being in Christ is that you don't have to go to heaven to experience the power of God. Aren't you glad? You don't have to wait to heaven. Oh, it's going to be great there. But let me tell you something, friends. I can experience freedom and deliverance today on this side of the river. You hearing me? On this side of the river. I don't, I don't have to wait till later. So when he says, brothers, he... See, God, let me tell you what God's been doing for as long as this world has been around. And I, I, I personally do not ascribe to an old earth theory, you know, 27 gazillion years. I, I just... Look, I don't know how anything 27 billion years old would look, but it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen. You know, I, I just—I I believe in uh, our earth isn't nearly as old as, as, as most think it is, and, and I, can, I could go on long into that to, to show you that I'm not alone in that thought, but, but I will tell you this. From, from the dawn of time, since the time that God made a man and made a woman, from that day forward, God has always been calling his people to be separate he has been calling them to higher ground not arrogant not condescending not self righteous but from the old what what did god do in the old testament to israel he was saying over and over again come out and be separate come out and be separate come out and be separate why to show to the other nations that there actually was a god and that the fire God and the moon God and the sun God and the river God and the earth God and the fertility God and all of those things. and No, there's one God. And he's not full of chaos. So from the time God and God began to call Israel, God's people constantly, don't go worship at those false gods. And In the New Testament, he did the same thing. He began to call his people, be separate, be separate, don't, don't believe that. And today, God is calling you as a believer to be separate. From, and listen, we have plenty of gods today. We have plenty of false gods. Sexuality, career, materialism. We have all sorts of places where people seek. What, what is a false god? It is a place where people go looking for something that only God can give. So they, they look for it in sex, they look for it in money, more square footage, a better job. If I could you know, you know what, let me tell you, if you want to find out where your idols are, and listen, if you don't think you have them, there's a whole other sermon series for you. OK? Call me, we're going to do it one-on-one, so nobody's embarrassed, because I want to tell you something right now. All right? There's not a person in this room, including Jason, that doesn't have strongholds. I mean it. You want to find out where they are? Here's where you start. What do you worry about the most? Where do you worry about the most? Where is your grip the tightest? Most of the time, there's an idol living right there. I promise you. You know, some of you you like sell insurance. When I ask you insurance questions, I believe what you tell me (laughs) because it's what you do. Some of you are phenomenal financial people. I believe what you tell me. I am your pastor. Believe me when I tell you. Most of your idols can be found in places that bring you the biggest form of anxiety. There's something right there that you're looking to to do something that ought not be there. Doesn't make you a bad person. Makes you incredibly normal. I just have the responsibility of being transparent with you about it. And a lot of you are looking at me now really uncomfortably, you know. Because you're like, I don't want to talk about this. Well, we're going to talk about it. And we're going to keep talking about it. And we're going to keep talking about it. Because you know why? Because Jesus wants you to be free. Can I get a good amen, somebody? Yeah. Jesus wants you to be free, right? So let's look at the fact that what I told you before. God, God has called you to live beyond what you came out of. God's called you to live beyond what you came out of. He set you free from this, Okay. So, hey, you can jump in here at any time. If there's any heresy going on, just correct it, right? Because <laughs> I'm going to come back to you in a minute. Okay, because this is a big deal. Um, here's the second truth that we're going to talk about with how to get spiritual freedom and keep it. And that is this, that God wants me to know truth so I can spot error. Okay? God wants me to know truth so that I can spot error. You know, I had, I had a friend uh, years and years ago. We we went to lunch one day, and he was really twisted up on the inside because he he was convinced that his boss this guy had a good job, but he was convinced that his boss was out to get him. You, you ever you ever had that happen to you? You had somebody that you thought was out to get you, um. And he he said he's he's going to sabotage my he's actively trying to sabotage my career. And and I said. And this guy was a full-on Jesus follower, so we can have a different conversation, you know. And I said, let me ask you something. And I'm not, I said, I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm, I'm not being a spiritual jerk. I, I'm, I mean, you asked me to talk to you about this, and so we're going to talk about it because I love you, and you're actually a good friend of mine. And, and I said, um, did your boss make the sun come up every day? No. Did your boss die on a cross for you? No. Did your boss come out of a grave for you? No. When you die, are you going to stand before your boss and give an account for your life? Praise God. No. (laughs) Right? I said, there's only one person that can control anything that happens to you, and that is the Lord your God. And let me tell you something, you're not going to leave that place one second before God allows it. Now, you may speed it up by being a moron. And we've all, you know, done that (laughs) on some level. But God holds the keys to your future. And, And see, but here's why I bring that story up. My friend was getting high anxiety and even thinking about leaving that job. Because he was believing a lie. He was believing a lie. And friends, when you believe a lie, and you have believed a lie, and I have believed a lie, we've all believed lies. So there was something that it said in Keys, and Rob, I know y'all teach this all the time. And it kind of goes like this. Uh, it's, the, it's not that you should know the truth. It's the truth that you know mm-hmm. that makes the difference. Mm-hmm. Jesus said in John 8, look on the screen, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. It, it's, it's not just that you are supposed to get all this word of God like into your life so you'll just have a better doctrine. No. The truth, you, you're going to read in Keys to Freedom this week in, in Renewing the Mind, there's a great statement in there. It's the truth you know that will set you free, right? And the way I wrote it down was this, you're going to obey the truth you know. You hear me? You're going to obey the truth you know. Whatever truth you are believing. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had this happen to you in life? I've always been fascinated by this. I'm fascinated by how many times people believe what they hear. I mean, I'm 49 years old. And I really don't know that any of us ever get out of, like, the ninth grade. What did you hear about? No? Well, you know, that's what I heard. And you believed it. Do you know it's true? Maybe that person just doesn't like that person. They want to get you on their side. Or maybe, maybe they're just telling you 72% of the truth, and it's that other 28%. There we go. Whew, I just got sweating there for a minute. I majored in theology, not math. It's that other 28%. Sometimes it's just the other 5% that makes all the difference, doesn't it? I'm amazed at what people will believe, what they hear, or they'll be, what they'll believe about themselves. So if you don't, if you don't know how, how powerful this is, I'm, I want Rob to tell you a story. I didn't prep him for this, but he told me a story one time. I asked him, I said, Rob, when you see, um, I said, you, you see baselines. Like if you're in real estate, then, then, Anybody in real estate can tell you here are the here are the, the, the key principles to buying a good home. Anybody in, in an accounting firm can tell you here are the here are the keys to financial health to to a bank account or, or to a company. They they can tell you baselines. Here's some common denominators. I said I said when you look at, at the the mercy situation with how it started actually in the home, you I said, what are is there a common denominator? And you said, "Yeah, there is men."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, keys to freedom is not only for women, but that home. Rob has to teach it that home from time to time. Tell him the story about when every every year one of the sessions you teach, you know, is
1: about men, and then you have to go in there, and that time you wrote the, the word. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell them, that's a pretty cool
1: story. I've got a room of 15 young women. Most of them are in there because of people like me, let's face it. Fathers have done things, boyfriends have done things, men haven't been very nice to them. A lot of them are in there because of guys. But let's face it, when they leave the Mercy home, the world is full of us. So you're going to have to sort of maybe need to navigate it. And at some point, you're probably going to want to maybe marry one. So. It's probably worth talking about it. And I walked in and it was all jovial. It was all fun. And and they they know me. Um, And I said, look, we're going to look at a topic which you're not going to like. And I wrote men on this whiteboard. Just the word. Just the word. Just men. And this young girl stood up. and And I won't tell you what she said because we'd both get fired if I told you exactly what she said to me. But it was along the lines of no, 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 no but with lots of extras in it, <laughs> but proper went at me. And the staff were like, whoa. And I was like, I'm cool. I used to be a teacher for 15 years. I've worked in some, in, in some dodgy places with dodgy people. I can, I can take a verbal beating, don't you worry. And she was, no, no, how dare you? How dare me what? And I just joined in this argument. And you said that the, but the other girls were joining in too, like the oh, room yeah. erupted. Oh, yeah, they yeah. were not happy. They're like, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing this well, why not? Because of, okay, great. So you think when you, you, when you leave here, your world is just going to be fun of shiny, happy women? That's it? Actually, we are everywhere, so you're going to have to, and we went through this journey of what it was like for them, and also what it's like for us. I've married a Mercy Girl. I know what it's like. So it is hard, and they need to understand that, but a lot of that is renewing the mind.
0: Yeah, they believed a lie
1: Yeah, that all men are like that man. All men are out to get ABC. All yeah. men will do this, this, this. Mm-hmm. All men, all men, all men. Mm. And then maybe I become one of the only people that doesn't want that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's self-sabotage. And,
0: and, and, and so what you see, let me tell you how I see it in men. God, God has, for whatever reason, throughout the course of my life, God has... Um, allowed me to be around a lot of what I would call high-octane men, CEOs, executives. Uh, It just, I don't know, it's, it's where it ends up a lot of times. And I have a lot of conversations with what we would consider in Williamson County very, very successful men. And do you know one of the common denominators that I find in most of those men a bad dad, a dad they could never please, a dad, they, a dad that never said, I love you, son, a dad that never said, I'm proud of you, son. I, 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 I'm telling you, I'm not saying it's every one of these men I've known for 20 and 30 years, but I'm telling you, most of the time, the driving force behind it is a dad they couldn't please. Or a teacher i, I can't can 't believe the number of men and women that I meet that had moms or dad mom, a mom or a dad or a teacher tell them you 're never going to be anything, and they believed it, and then they set out to prove them wrong and if you've ever set out to prove somebody wrong, you know if you if you watch The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, he's very open about the fact that one of his driving forces in life was that high school coach that cut him from the sophomore basketball team. It drove him, and it made him angry, and it pushed him in—in in a good way. It pushed him. I—I'll I'll never forget. I, I won't call up the name because it's a small world, but this was probably 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. I, I was flipping through the channels one day and and I saw this humanitarian award being given to if I called his name everybody in the room would know who this person is he's globally famous and he was given this humanitarian award and and he walks up on the stage to get it and it's like he forgot for just a minute that there was national news coverage like you ever you ever had that moment you flip out and you forget that there's a few people around like you ever coached a little, little league? Like you know, where you just forget there's parents watching when you're talking to that kid. You know, oh, oh, wait a minute, that was public. Yeah, it's 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 it is public now. You know, um, I, that that's never happened to me. I'm saying if it ever happens to you, what I won't, what y'all want y'all do is call me, okay, and we'll, we'll walk through it. Um, this guy walks up on the stage and he gets this award. And before he gets to the mic, the mic is hot, and he gets about right here, and he takes this award, and he says, thank you, and he holds it to the sky, and he starts screaming. Is this enough? Is this enough, you? Many words. Many words. Many words. Is this going to make you happy? And then it hit him. It's like it had been in there for like 30 years, and it decided to come out there. And, and he snapped too. I want to thank the board and everyone. It's like if I just act like that didn't happen, it didn't happen. I mean, he just lost it for a minute. And it was interesting that this guy has everything that people think. And you know what he was li- living for? His dad's approval. Problem was, his dad was dead. He was never going to get it. You see, it's the truth you know that will set you free. So, so if, if you choose to believe a lie, it will hijack everything about you. And every one of you in here, including me, including my wife, my sons will have it happen to them if it's not already in there. Every one of us in this room, At times in our lives have believed lies about ourselves or about other people or about situations. And and God wants you to renew your mind. But you can't do that unless you actually have, as Rob said, tools. If you want to dig a hole, there's better tool than your hands. There's shovels and pickaxes. and Man, if you just really want to save some time, get a backhoe. There's tools. So that's the third key principle this morning is that God wants me to pursue freedom. Now, now, when I say pursue, that's an active tense. And so I want you to look in Philippians 8. There's a, there's a, there's a really interesting word here. Philippians 4, 8. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good purport, if there's any excellence in worthy of praise, dwell. That is, put your mind there. Right? Put your mind there. And then there's verse 9. Which, we, you know, so many times we memorize verse 8. But this week I, I went on further and I thought, wait a minute. There's, there's something hanging there. In verse 9, look at what it says. These things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Paul says, I've modeled these things for you. These things you've learned. I've coached you up in these things. Now look at the next word practice these things. Practice these things. Well, now, hold on a minute. That means that, oh, I got to do something. Yeah, you got to do something. You know, if you want to be good at anything, you got to do something. Why, why do you think, you know, right now it, it's football season. What makes you think Tom Brady just, do you think he just wakes up every day and goes, man, I just I just throw a football good. I mean, those guys work at what they do. What makes you think that stops at the steeple? That doesn't stop at the steeple. And it's not human effort. It's divinely empowered human effort. It's not just learning how to think positive thoughts. God's wanting to give you tools to practice these things Because that's why I told you earlier, you're not going to get free from whatever's been, if it's unforgiveness. Some of you have been holding on to unforgiveness to your mother-in-law for 27 years. Some of you have hated your father-in-law or your dad for 40 years. Some of you have got a sister that's three years younger than you, and you all don't speak. And that's not killing her, by the way. That's just killing you. Oh, she may not speak to you, but you don't have to hate her. You see, you're going to have to get real tools if you want to learn how to forgive that sister. You're going to have to get real tools to learn how to forgive your daddy who put his hands on you, and you had not told anybody except your husband. See, it affects all of life. Now, Ariana Walker, his sister-in-law, you're going to read this really cool story. In your keys book this week. Um, this is Ariana uh, here. And you've, had, you've seen her speak on this stage. And there's a story in there about a dream that she had. that She believed God gave her. And in this dream, she was sitting at a banquet table. Do you know this story? Mm-hmm. Well, then why don't you tell it? Because you actually know her better than I do. There's the quote. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah, I'll go with you it. You chime in. Just
1: in case I tell the wrong story.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of stories about Ariana. <laughs> right. She's at a banquet table. And she's sitting there with joy. Instead of people, it's joy and peace and kindness and goodness. It's the fruits of this, kind of the fruits of the spirit are sitting in the table. And off in the corner, there's some foul spirits. And in that dream, she turns to God and she says, what are they doing here? And so this actually is, in the dream, what, what God told her. Life on earth is an open space that can sometimes be visited by enemies. But who sits at your table is by invitation only. Well, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? If you have a hard time forgiving your dad, that's by invitation. If bitterness sits at your table... Listen, we all get bitter. You hear me? I've been bitter many times in my life. We all get hard-hearted. I've been hard-hearted many times in my life. We all get angry. Anger is not a sin. God never said you couldn't be angry. He just said you couldn't stay angry. We're all allowed to experience anger. Jesus experienced anger. When's the last time you heard a sermon on somebody going into the temple with a bullwhip? Your Savior did that. Right? Anger is a human emotion. It's what we do with it. But when it stays at your table, oh, now, that's, now it's different. There's not a man in this room. There isn't a single man, including me and Rob, in this room that hasn't experienced lust many times. Many, many, many times. It's what you do with it. And if it stays at your table... Let me tell you, I wrote this down so you'd have it. What I invite into my life will seek to take over my life. What I invite in my life will seek to take over my life. So let me, let me tell you how this works. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get real vulnerable with you here a minute. And, uh, but I'm not going to go too far, so don't, don't, don't worry, honey. I'm not going to go too crazy with it. Sometimes she tells me over the last 30 years, did you really have to say all of that like that? Can we talk about some of this stuff before you I'm like, I don't practice it, you know? Well, you should. Um <laughs> she's right. Uh, um let me give you a practical tool that we're gonna talk about. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about this on February the 20th. Okay, I'm gonna uh, we're gonna talk about agreements, okay? Uh we're gonna talk about agreements. So I put the date up here for you to write this down. Um February the 20th, on Sunday night, around 5 or 6 o'clock, we're going to meet in the chapel. And I'm going to teach you a very practical tool, a very practical tool of how to make key number two, which is renewing the mind. I'm going to give you a practical tool called agreements. Let me, let me tell you why this matters, okay? I'm standing up for a second just because my hamstrings are getting tight, all right? Let me tell you why this matters a lot. Um, in in order for a lie to work in your life, you know, for the chapel can see me. In order for a lie to work, you have to believe it a little. You hear what I'm saying to you? In order for you to believe, in order for you, when that teacher in the fourth grade said you're never going to amount to nothing, in order for that to fuel you, you've got to believe it a little. In order, in order for you, many of you women, you, you, had, you had men in high school that you were dating and you wouldn't have sex with them. So they called you ugly. They called you ugly. Or they called you u- u- other names. Right? So in order for that, so, so from that moment on, you've had self-worth issues and you had self-image issues. And because you've had self-image issues, you had to believe it a little. Well, maybe I am. Maybe that's why that boy won't date me. When the Word of God says you are beautifully and wonderfully made, your Heavenly Father has a different definition of you, but you chose to believe it just a little that maybe they're right. Or maybe maybe my daddy told me many times as we were splitting wood, son, you're never going to amount to anything. So you hear that voice when you're 50. And that's why... You work 75 hours a week because you're scared that maybe he's right. So you see, what happens is in order for a, if you want to get that out, what what have we been talking about with with keys to freedom? Okay, let's look at the tree, all right? We got the behaviors. Those are the leaves or the fruit on the tree. You've got the, the, the root system. That Fuels the beliefs that fuels the behavior. So if you don't learn how to get into those roots and change them out You literally have to go in and Clean out the roots and start over But you're not gonna do that. Just hoping one day you can you know think positive thoughts and it'll all get better You got to have tools And one of those tools now you're not gonna find this tucked away in Deuteronomy somewhere. All right This is is something that is not original with me. I learned it from biblical psychologists, some of which I've paid for. Yes, people, I have had counselors in my life. Shocker. I think it should be a federal law that everybody has to go in, especially, you know, because you know know what's the problem with Christians? Y'all just don't come to people and you don't come to counselors until it's so far gone. What I love about non-believers is they're way faster to go get help than you are. I'm not joking. I believe in coaches, man. I've got career coaches. I've got performance coaches and from time to time. You know, I have to get people that help me with the way I think about things. I believe in that, man. I do. And boy, I hope you believe it too. Well, one of the things I've learned is the power of agreements. So let me give you an example of how this works, okay? Um, probably 2003, 2004... I began to notice that my life was out of order when it came to pace Like I mean y'all know me I'm hyper And then some days I'm really hyper And then there's days when I get around people that I don't know real well that I get really 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 hyper Right, and then I talk you think I talk a lot now put me in a room full of strangers, right? I'm gonna talk to everybody at warp speed, right? That's one of my indicators trying too hard, you know, (laughs) right? Cause I'm trying to find out if people like me or not, right? So I'm gonna give you a little hint here all of you introverts All right, you want to get people like me to shut up Talk a little bit <laughs> All right, let me know if you like me I'm gonna tell you something right out of the gate the next christmas party You have to go to the next summer party or birthday party and you get hooked up with somebody like me that doesn't know when to Shut up. All right, just right out of the gate say man. I like you <laughs> We're gonna move on in about four seconds I'm not joking. Try it next time. You're like, wow, they walked away. Yeah, we're trying to figure out if we're okay with you or not. But when you sit there silent and just look at us funny, we're going to keep talking until we find common ground, right, somewhere. The truth, just that, I don't know where that came from. That was for somebody, all right? So let me tell you about it. I found myself in, in about 2003, 2004. I was constantly in a hurry, and I don't mean driving fast. I mean I was in a hurry up here my my pace was out of control man i was i didn't have time for people i didn't have i didn't have i was always living from one calendar appointment to the other one i was always some, you ever you ever always been perpetually somewhere else has your wife ever told you you're home but you're not home oh don't look at me like that we know has your wife ever said you're not here but you're here yeah that's happened to us right so I began to really work on how I could slow my soul down. So my very first agreement that I ever can't had, it, it has to come from a place that you struggle with. You can't adopt. You're listening to me. This is, this is precursor to February 20. You cannot adopt somebody else's agreement because it's not their struggle. My, one of my first, I have eight agreements that I say almost every day. The first four took about 15 years first one came four or five years later. The second one came. Uh, a few years later, the third one came. Uh, uh, and then and then last year, four in a row happened in a year. I and mean, this is amazing what God was showing me with my mind. But it took a, it took a long time to form these agreements. But here's, my, here's one that I say almost every day of my life in my devotion. Here it is. You ready for this? It's shocking. I am not in a hurry. I say it out loud. I am not in a hurry. There's times I'll say it. Five, six times a day, I'm not in a hurry. And, and I, will, I will do that. It's, it's, my way of, it's my way of practicing. Go backward one. These things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So here's where I knew I was winning. Probably five or six, seven years ago, I'm in the kitchen one day, and I hear Michelle's voice from the living room. And she says, why are you not in a hurry? I said, what are you talking about? Well, you keep saying I'm not in a hurry. I said, I do. Yeah, don't look at me like y'all's home doesn't have weird stuff happen too. Right? I'm like, oh. I was making oatmeal or something, and I was in, you know, and I was making oatmeal because I gotta get out the door, and, and I said, Oh, I, I must I must be mentally rushed, and I'm telling myself, I'm I'm not. You see. You keep doing these things, they become a part of you. Because one of my struggles is I tend to be somewhere else sometimes because my mind moves faster than my body. So you got to get, go back to the tree. You got to get to the root system. You got to get to the root system if you want it to work. And there's a promise in that, by the way. Look at what Philippians 4, 9 says. There's a promise. These things you've heard and seen seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Man, amen to that, right? If you can learn how to renew the mind, peace comes. If you can learn how to get God to anoint your brain and get unforgiveness out of your life, peace comes. That divorce that you had years ago, if you can learn to just set that person free to God, peace comes. But you got to practice these things. You see, Jesus made us a promise too. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. For what? They will see God. Blessed are the... Happy is the Greek word. Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You want to see God in your prophet and loss statement? You want to see God in your organizational chart? You want to see God in how you parent your kids? You want to see God in how you look at that person four offices down? Blessed are the pure in heart. You've got to get new roots, man. And Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world. of sending them the word of God in real time. Share it. you will be surprised how far it goes.